Hello and welcome to another podcast edition of Taiwan Talk, ICRT's weekly interview segment, bringing you conversations from and about Taiwan. I'm Keith Manconi. Today, we are going to be inviting on to the show an Italian expat who wears many hats working here in Taiwan. As a TV show host, an entertainer, and an academic, Wei Jia Da, also known as Ricardo Morado, covers a lot of ground. And his recently released Chinese language book, Mei Zai Pa, draws on that broad perspective to give a fresh take on the challenges of modern life here in Taiwan. Uh, now, this book is part personal biography, part advice column, part social commentary. Uh, and kind of to match that wide background that we were talking about a second ago, uh, the book also covers on a broad range of topics from uh, education to the entertainment industry. And in this conversation that you're about to hear, uh, we cover many of those topics uh, and also one that is near and dear to my heart, uh, the role of expats here in Taiwan's society. So a lot of good stuff to look forward to there. So let's get to it. Here is my conversation with Wei Jia Da. Wei Jiada, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure, considering that it, it's my very first interview in English here in Taiwan. So I am so excited about it. Well, we are honored to be your first. Uh, very cool stuff. Now, I don't even really know where to start this interview because you are covering so many bases with your work. You're, you're on TV. You're, you're in academia. Uh, you, you have a little bit of a performing background as well. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and in addition to that, you're a professional interpreter. Yeah. You're, you've, you've got your hand uh, uh, like literally spinning every single plate in town. Well, some people might say that I am affected by schizophrenia, but actually that's not the case. I just think that life is so short and mm. I want to make the most out of it and try to approach different uh, jobs or different lifestyles, and then eventually I will choose the only one which is best for me. So we're narrowing things down right now. Yes, That's the we plan. are. Yes, we are. All right. Well, uh, just to catch all of our listeners up and make sure uh, that they're on the same page as us, uh, given your complicated background, we're going to need to take a second or two to lay it all out for our mm-hmm. listeners. If you could just give us like the one-minute breakdown of who Wei Jiada is for our listeners, uh, could we take a stab at that? Well, I could do that in three seconds, actually. Okay. Wei Jiada is someone on a mission. Mm. I have a mission, and at the end of the day, I think that all my different identities share the same goal. Okay. Which means to educate my audience. Now, I know it sounds very um, egotistical or uh, egocentric or, you know, like, uh, but that's not the case. I do believe, and I have seen that in university and on TV, that um, I have some ideas that I want to share with everybody. Maybe they are not right. They are not correct. They are not the only ones in the world. Or maybe a lot of people are going to be not in favor or not agree with what I think, but I do think I have the right to share my ideas with everybody. So it does not matter if I do that on a university stage or on a broader TV stage. To me, it's all the same. Mm, and that uh, has a lot to do with your motivation for writing uh, your book, Mate I Exactly. Pa, which is what we're here to talk about today. Uh, and one of the things that you go to in your book is a little bit of uh, your backstory and how you ended up in Taiwan. Yeah. Uh, so maybe you could share with us a little bit about that. Um... I was studying linguistics in the University of Rome back in 2006, and I wanted to challenge myself. I I said to myself, there are so many millions 
we could say billions actually of people who speak Chinese in the world. It doesn't matter if it's as a native language or as an acquired language, but still there are so many Chinese speakers in the world. Why can't I speak Chinese?、Hmm. So I decided to challenge. I always like to challenge myself, and I was like, "Well, let's go on this adventure. Let's、hmm. try that." And mind you, I was already at my second year, so、mm-hmm. it was quite an adventure for me. Well, and we should mention that. Okay, so Chinese. You weren't starting from zero. You already had a, a number of languages under your belt. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was. Actually, back then I was already working as an interpreter in Italy, so I had like French, Norwegian,、uh, Italian, of course, English and <laughs> Spanish. But I was like,、oh, too God, easy,、I'm、too easy.、Okay. Like all these languages are pretty much. I the feel same. like I'm going to spend most of this interview just being insanely jealous of you. But go on, <laughs> go on. No, but that's what people feel like. I'm trying to boast, but I'm not. To be honest, to us Europeans, it's really easy to learn a new language. Like Spanish and Italian are practically identical, so it takes like maybe one week、mm-hmm. to learn it. When you Drive twenty minutes and you go through three countries, so you kind of have to learn a bunch、exactly. of languages. Exactly, and also we have a lot of、um, what is it called, like competitiveness or competitivity,、mm-hmm. whatever.、Mm-hmm. And we need to learn more languages; otherwise, we do not have a job anymore.、Mm. Especially if you want to work with translation. But anyway, I was really getting bored and was like, "No, we 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 must do something here." So I started, you know, I started studying Chinese, and it was the best decision of my life ever、mm. because right the first. Day of class, I remember that Chinese for me was not merely a language;、mm. it was a philosophy of life, it was a painting, it was looking at history with my eyes. I mean, I I, I just fell in love with Chinese characters right away.、Mm. And、um, later on,、uh, the following year, I went to Norway. Which might sound weird, but actually in Norway is where I really learned Chinese. Oh, really? Yeah, because I met a girl. I've been、uh, in the wrong country this whole time. Exactly.、Cool. No, seriously, I met a girl who who who, who was and still is from Gaoxiong,、mm-hmm. and she's the one who introduced me to Taiwanese culture、mm. as opposed to mainland culture. Now, mind you, I have nothing against mainland. I love both cultures, but back then I was in need. Of some, let's say, human warmth, and she gave it to me in the purest sense of the word. But she introduced me to the Taiwanese culture, and then I was like, "I need to go to Taiwan.、Mm. Like, I need to experience that warmth, that Renxin way, you know, firsthandedly."、Mm-hmm. So that's when I decided in my heart. But back then, I had not told my parents yet. <sighs> that's when I decided that I was going to Taiwan. Mm, okay, so you come here、uh, on a mission, like you said, and、uh, you end up taking a lot of schooling here. You end up getting a, a PhD here. Yeah, well, actually, the mission part came later when、mm-hmm. I realized that I had a lot to share with local people. But first, I came in the most humble way. I just wanted to learn Chinese properly. I just wanted to do my PhD, and I just wanted to be a regular university professor. That's all. I did not have any weird dreams about working on TV or stuff like that. All that part came later on.、Mm. So yeah. Uh, but you still—I、uh, I, I think I, I saw in your bio that you were the first person to get a PhD、uh, in Taiwan in, in a pure Chinese program. Yes, I was. But to me, that's just you know a fact. It's no merit. No, it's not. Wow. No, there's nothing wow about it. I just happened to be the first one who、uh, you know like 申请报名 and then I got in. And well, that's just. I think it's just 
you know, destiny. Because、um, after me, there were so many foreigners who started applying for the same position and they, you know, were enrolled because they were good people. So I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I just happened to be the first one. That's all.、Mm. Yeah. All right. First out of the gate.、Uh, and. Maybe now you can tell us、uh, how you got involved in the whole TV world here in Taiwan.、Um, well, at first, I had this very cool American friend. She's into theater and acting, and she has like, her own theater company. And she told me that there were some producers who were looking for some, you know, what we call new faces. And、um, I did not think it was going to last. I、mm. was like, all right, you know, let's just do it, it's fun.、Mm-hmm. But the first day I did it, I was so surprised by not being the least nervous or scared. You, you went know, up like, on that being stage. Being on the TV, I'm like, what is going on?、Mm-hmm. It's like I was born here. <laughs> And、um, after that, I realized that not only was it fun for me, but it was a huge platform to say all those words and all those ideas that I had bottled up inside for so many years.、Mm. And it started growing up as an addiction for me.、Mm. Like after that, I was like, no, no, I have to say more. I have to share more. So I started going on Facebook and on all this, you know, like.、Um, What do you call them? Like social websites or whatever, like social networks. And、um, it grew more and more. And then I started seeing the reaction from people. They were like, wow, look at this, you know, like Weigurin, who has a lot of ideas and who is not scared to say that in front of people. Because, you know, pe- pe- people here tend to be very diplomatic、mm-hmm. in the way they say things. I was not. And I、I'm、still、Jiji. am not.、Mm-hmm. And not、mm-hmm. many people like that at first.、Mm. If you see the comments on my Facebook right now, many people are like, well, you know, I kind of hated you at the beginning. You were very, you know, like, <laughs> I didn't. But now, I am so honored to see that more and more people are starting to see the real me and that I am not evil intentioned. I just、mm. want to share my ideas in a different cultural、mm-hmm. way.、Yeah. And、uh, just, to, just to hammer this point home and give our, our listeners a little bit more of a sense of what you've been up to, I mean, you've been on like,、uh, you know, the, the, the big talk shows. Of course, it's not around anymore, but you were on Kangxi Laila. You、yeah. were, you know, you, stuff that people know about. Yeah, and I realized I was, I was the only Wagren who was there. Nine,、uh, ten times, like more than most、uh, local people. And the thing is that many people liked the interaction that I had with you know, the, 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 the woman host. I'm not going to say the name.、Uh, I don't know if I can, but anyway. <laughs> and.、Um, Shall and were, Yeah, and they were like, how can you do that? I was like, what do you mean? Aren't you scared? I'm like, of what? And they said, well, she's such a big shot. I'm like, I don't care. She might even be the Pope for what I care.、Mm. But if I have to say something, I will still say that. So,、mm. yeah. All right. So,、uh, keeping that,、uh, keeping, keeping that yongan, yongchi,、mm-hmm. wherever you go, I like it.、Um, let's talk a little bit. Let's refocus on、uh, your book right now right. and、uh, talk a little bit about the motivation for it,、uh, what you were trying to share. You've already gotten into this、uh, a little bit,、uh, mm-hmm. saying that you, you, you did feel like you had a lot to say. Yeah.、Uh, but let's get a little bit more specific. So, you know, you, you have these TV gigs going on. Yeah. You have、uh, these interpreter gigs going on.、Yeah. And you're also working at two Taiwan universities. As an academic. Yeah.、Uh, so a lot of plates going on. And then you decide, you know what? Want to add something to it? Want to write this book? <laughs> what was behind that decision? Well, I tried to narrow down the academic activity. It started with six universities, like working part time, and now it's only two. And the first, no, really, the first time I realized I had to say something was when I came into contact with my students.、Mm. Because I realized that、um, 
most university students' approach or you know 态度 to uh, their studies here in Taiwan is not very mature.、Mm-hmm. I'm not saying everybody, but most of them. For example, they do not even know why they are there. They do not know where they're going with what they're studying. They do not have any ideas or projects or ambitions. Nothing at all. So that like rang this alarm bell in my heart. I was like, what's going on here? And I started talking to them more and more to understand what the problem was. And I was like, no, 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 wait, this is a mess. Like we、mm. have to do something about it. And so. Education is like a huge problem that I always carry in my heart here in Taiwan. I do not think that I am Jesus or you know like the savior. I know that I'm not going to change the problem because the problem needs to be changed, you know, from the higher, from the powers that be, and I'm not、mm. one of those. But still, in my own part, I always say to myself, if I can even influence or affect one person's mind, I think I'm successful. Mm. So that's what I try to do, and I try to include all these ideas and all these different ambitions and hopes about the changes that I hope I'm going to bring to Taiwan's edu- education inside my book. And education is like this huge, this main part, this main bulk of my book, alongside with, for example,、uh, Taiwan's issues on entertainment or on. Bullyism as well, because bullying is a strong problem here in Taiwan, especially、mm. in、uh, schools like middle,、uh, junior high schools and high schools. And people are not talking about it, but、mm-hmm. many people every year are killing themselves because of bullying. And I felt like I had to say something. So you see, like we have all these different what we could call societal problems in my book, and le fil rouge. Of my book is like my story, so I、mm. try to incorporate all these different ideas about Taiwan society inside my own story.、Mm. All right. Well,、uh, now that we kind of have set the table a little bit, I guess let's get into some of those ideas.、Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's start with、uh, what you're talking about with the education issue. There,、mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I think、uh, I've I, I have a fair number of friends who work uh, directly uh, in education in Taiwan. But、mm-hmm. uh, let's get your take. I mean, when you say the problem, yes, could could you sum that up? Is it is it is it a, a, a huge thing or something that you could kind of、uh, put your finger on? Well, I can put my my hand on it because it's a huge. Problem. So, first of all, the general system is、mm-hmm. wrong. I I am not sure how you do that in the United States, but for example, in Italy, the way we choose university is based on what we want to study,、mm-hmm. and not only and exclusively on the credit or the mark that we get at the entrance exam.、Mm-hmm. But here in Taiwan, I'll just make an example. I have some students. They want to study, for example, I don't know、uh, English literature,、mm. but their mark, their 分数 was not good enough, and they were sent to engineering.、Mm-hmm. Now I was baffled. I was like, "What are they going to learn in engineering if they have no scientific, no mathematical background? But especially if they have no interest、right. for that." And that's the main problem. And all the other problems kind of stem from this one because if you're not interested in what you're doing, you're never going to learn anything about it. I have met many, many people studying philosophy because for some reason that's just a course that's easy to get into. Yeah, and I would say ninety-five percent of those people are not even a little bit interested in philosophy. Well, what I said actually was the other way around. I just wanted to make English literature a little bit more noble. But usually, what happens is that they want to study. Engineering, but they end up in the English literature course because, like、right. you said, it's fairly easier. But I, I don't even like that. I don't like the fact that some topics or some exams are 
easier than others because mm. it only matters what you like at the end of the day. I know many people who work as engineers here, but they are not happy about mm-hmm. what they're doing. Many people work as doctors because their parents want them to do that, but mm-hmm. they're not happy. So at the end of the day, what I feel is that there is a lot of unhappiness steaming mm-hmm. within Taiwanese society. And probably that also comes from university, partially. So you're saying that uh, you'd like to see people reorient to more focusing on what they're actually enthusiastic about, what they're actually passionate about. And exactly. Following that. And the second problem is the uh, exam system. Like... I am inside the academic field, and I have so many colleagues that are exam and test-centered. Mm. But that does not work for many students because, like you and I both know, they always end up studying at the very last minute. They learn by heart what they have to do at the test the following day, and the day after, they're going to forget all about it. Mm. So I know that... Um, in some universities, for example, in the States, but also in Europe, things are changing. Like, we do not have exams anymore. They are trying to base the tests on, for example, open-ended discussions mm-hmm. or things that are going to be more useful once they become a part of the real society. Because mm. nobody, no one is ever going to ask you how many marks or, you know, did you take that exam? Mm. But they take it so much to heart, like it's the end of the world if they take, a you know, like a higher or a lower vote. So I really think that's a... Uh, quite a messed up issue here in Taiwan. Mm. Um, and I try to do that on my small part. I try to let my students know that I do not care about the fensu part. It really does not matter at the end of the day. They seem to be understanding. They seem to understand what I'm talking about. But when we get to the exam, they still care. Mm-hmm. So you see how rooted it is in their soul, this whole fensu thing. And that's something that it's eating them up inside. And I don't mm. like that. All right. Well, let's get to kind of the the deeper point that you're uh, getting at, though, because uh, the word that you used when you talked about uh, the students that you met when you were new to the education system, new to being a teacher, the the word that you used was immature. So let's kind of dig down on that a little bit. What what, what do you mean by that? What kind of students is this education system producing, and and why do you think that that's an issue? Well, I do not use immature in the negative sense of the word. I use that in the etymological sense of the word, which is they are not mature. (laughs) So when I say they are not mature, I I mean that, and it's not their Mind you, it's not their fault. They mm-hmm. are victims of the system. So when I say they are not immature, it means that before university, they were not put through, uh, for example, a self-assessment or a mm-hmm. self-evaluation system to understand what mm-hmm. they are really apt at doing, to understand what they really want to do. We have that abroad. Mm-hmm. And it lasts more than the than the entrance exam itself. So these people actually are... Um, Put in the university world, which is so different from the high school world. And I don't know if you have noticed, but the high school world here in Taiwan is more uh, close to what we call the university world abroad. And the university world here in Taiwan is closer to what we called the kindergarten world outside. For example, here in Taiwan, when you are in university, they I, I never see them in the library, like reading books. They're always out playing and, you know, like partying. And you know why? Because they were repressed. Because they burned out in high school. Exactly. Yeah. And in high school, they do not, these poor people, they do not even have time to breathe. Right. For example, if it were for me, well, I'm sorry, 
Busi Ban 的老板 But if it were for me, all the Busi Ban should close down here. You're gonna you're gonna cost a lot of people their jobs. No, but listen, I know, I know, and a lot of foreigners make a lot of money out of that. I know, but we have to be honest. Like, if people cannot learn what they need to learn in school, it means、mm-hmm. that the school is failing.、Mm-hmm. But people here think, no, 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 that's not true. I need to learn more. I need to learn more. But when they go to Busi Ban, they're not actually learning more.、Mm-hmm. They're reviewing what they have already learned in school. So I think it's pretty useless, and it would be much better if they used that time if they invested that time in learning how to、um, cohabit. And live with other people because I found out that a lot of Taiwanese people have 社交 issues. It means they do not know how to, for example, talk to other people. They have communication issues、mm. and stuff like that. Why? Because they're like a fish. Repressed inside a small stone, and they do not know how to get out of that stupid stone. Well, it's interesting that you say that. I actually,、uh, one of my language exchange partners, he、uh, he went to New Zealand when he was、uh, a bit younger, and、uh, he always felt like he had a really hard time breaking into the social scene there. And he actually he asked me, "Hey, Keith,、uh, when when you guys were like ten, eleven, twelve, did your parents sit you down and like?" Teach you how to talk to other people.、Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, we just went to parties and we were awkward for a long time, and then we got better little by little. But that's not, like you said, that's not really the social experience for most people in Taiwan.、Exactly. They don't have those awkward teenage years to have less awkward twenty-something、mm-hmm. years. You know, like I do think social interaction is very important, and I always share this funny story. Like when I、uh, got my degree from the University of Rome, I went to the American Embassy in Rome, and I wanted to apply for a PR position. So I had this. Chen Ji Dan on my hands, and I was so proud of that. You know, all A plus. I'm like, wow, this is gonna be so cool. They're gonna ask me all about it. They did not ask one word about my Fengshu during the interview,、mm. but they were trying to put my 社交能力 at the test all the time.、Mm-hmm. And I always tell to you know, like Taiwanese students, I'm so blessed that my mother kind of taught me all about social interaction when I was a little kid. Because if she didn't, I wouldn't know how to answer those questions. So at the end of the day, what I'm trying to tell them that is that no one will ever ask you those things. Try to learn how to communicate with other people because that's way more important.、Mm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I want to. I want to kind of compare what you're saying to、uh, my own experience、mm-hmm. in America,、uh, just、uh, briefly, because I think that my generation in America has、uh, actually gotten、uh, a little bit of criticism、uh, along some of the lines that you're talking about. You know, since ever since I grew up,、mm-hmm. the message that everybody has, was feeding my generation was follow your passion, follow your passion. Don't worry about grades. Just stay focused on the things you love and and follow that forever. Now,、uh, one big criticism of people about my age is、uh, we have a whole bunch of people that are really good at reading books and watching TV, and like, oh yeah, we we really understand those books real well,、uh, but don't necessarily have the technical skills、uh, that you would need to get a job.、Mm. So, do you think it's possible to go f- too far in that direction? I mean, do you think that there are things about、uh, the 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 education here that have some practical use in a way?、Uh, the answer to that is no. But、mm. I also think that follow your Passion is a very dangerous statement,、mm-hmm. and I never say that to my students because,、mm. for example, what if their passion is smoking, or you know whatever? <laughs> so I never say that. What I do say though is create your job. Mm. Because in this internet era, you can do actually whatever you want online, and you can earn a lot of money without waiting for other people to give you a 工作的机会 You don't have to wait for that anymore. That、mm-hmm. was back like twenty, thirty years ago. Now you have to create your own chances and create your own jobs. So what I always tell them is that. The most important thing is imagination.、Mm. So you need to project yourself into the future and really, truly understand what 
what it is that you want to be doing. But that's different from follow your passion because many young people, when they hear the word passion, they might misunderstand what it really means. Mm. So I tend not to use that word, but to tell them, be creative. Mm. Let's talk about, because this book isn't just about education, now you get into a couple of other ideas mm-hmm. as well. Let's talk about some of the other ideas in the book. International consciousness is something that uh, you seem to think is a little bit lacking in Taiwan. Tell us what you mean by that. Well, <laughs> um, the first time I came here to Taiwan, I bought a TV. Mm. And because I told myself, you know, when you're trying to learn Chinese properly, you also want to learn Chinese in terms of international issues, like what is happening in the world. You want to be able to say that and to understand that in Chinese. But then, to my surprise, I found that nobody was talking about what was happening in the world on, t- on, on Taiwanese news. And I found myself watching news about food and about, you know, this meaningless, at the end of the day, meaningless topics or issues that nobody really cares about. So I'm just trying to think, is there a secret agenda to brainwash people's minds and sort of uh, not make them focus on what the real issues of the world are? Or is it really part of the Taiwanese consciousness to just focus on their own little world, you know, like they say in Chinese, or like this frog at the bottom of the pit, of the well? Is that the problem? I'm not sure. I do not have the answer. But both answers... Uh-uh, I don't like any of them. So um, I was kind of upset about that, and I tried to understand more about this phenomenon. And later I realized that actually right now there are many Taiwanese people who are complaining about that as well. Mm. And that's why they're starting to watch more and more international news like CNN, BBC, Fox, well, maybe not Fox News, but, you know. Um, so I was like, like, what is happening here? Why is TV doing that? And there's a lot of close-mindedness also about um, neighboring places. For example, let's talk about China. Well, I mean, let's not go into detail, but let's say a few things. Here in Taiwan, a lot of young people who are supposed to be more exposed to the real world than older people are still have a lot of prejudices about what is going on there and what the society really is about. Mm. So they're still back like 30 or 40 years ago. I think, and I mentioned that in the book, the main problem about Taiwan is that it's still at the 90s. Mm. Now, back in 1990s, Taiwan was really this cool dragon or tiger or whatever you want to call it. But now that's not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. So they should need to, uh, like, they don't they, they don't have to rest on their laurels anymore. Just get your butt up and start doing something about your society before it gets too late. Because it is getting too late. Mm. You you really think that it's getting a little bit too late for yes. Taiwan? What, what, what makes you... Well, and, and, and when, we're, when we say get off your butt and uh, do something, I mean, I guess uh, just a couple of points... Uh, to, to emphasize is that, you know, wages haven't risen in Taiwan in about 15 exactly. years. In addition to that, uh, it is a heavily export-driven economy, and mm-hmm. uh, Taiwan is really falling behind other countries in terms yes. of trade deals, and it's very difficult to change given the pressure and the economic realities, uh, given, you know, cross-strait relations. Exactly. So when I'm saying that, I do not mean that from an education point of view. Let's just put education aside for a second. I mean that from an entrepreneurial point of view. Mm-hmm. The entertainment industry is falling apart Mm. the real enterprises because i work as an interpreter with some you know like big shots and they tell me all the backstage problems that they have and it's not pleasant so they're Mm -hmm. like moving all their funds somewhere let's not say where but they're just moving them somewhere which is not takes a boat to get there yeah well i mean and it's not so good about taiwanese economy so what Mm -hmm. is going down i mean what is happening is that it's going down it is going down and as far as the entertainment thing goes i mean uh 
is, is it just because people are not taking risks and coming up with new ideas? Uh, partially, but also because they like to go the easy way. Mm. And I will just say something which might be detrimental to me, but it's the truth. Mm. Now Taiwan has this weird tendency of having a lot of foreigners on TV. Mm-hmm. Now let's not talk about myself because I've been doing this for a longer period of time. Let's just talk about some of the new ones. They go on TV with like, I mean, seriously, like a few coins or even for free because they want to be on TV. Like say, oh, it's cool. I was on TV. And... People seem to like it because they have the kind of xiaoguo that they're mm-hmm. looking for. And it's really cheap for producers. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you do not have money. You have like low budget TV shows. You pay less. The result is a disgusting TV show which, which lacks originality, creativity, like everything a TV show is all about. But it's a vicious circle. Mm-hmm. And then I ask myself, well, if I was a producer, would I do the same thing? Mm. Probably the answer is yes, considering that they do not have public fans, public funds from the government for better quality TV shows. So you see what I'm saying? It's like a a, a round, vicious circle, and it's really hard to get out of this circle at present. Mm. Now, okay, let's let's kind of look at the broader uh, picture of, of of what it is uh, you're doing here and, and what it is what your role uh, as a foreigner, as a social critic in Taiwan is, because. You know, like you kind of mentioned, all all the things that you're bringing up here are versions of those things I have heard from Taiwanese people, uh, and versions of those things uh, I think have been discussed for for many years now. Maybe not exactly what you're mm-hmm. saying, but you know, like people are generally aware yeah. uh, uh, to some extent that that these are problems. Um, how do you think that it changes things that you are? You know, you grew up in Italy mm-hmm. and you came here as an adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you said that you know occasionally you'll get some pushback because people are saying you're <laughs> yeah. being a little bit too direct. Yeah, you know, just maybe, mind your who, business. Go back home. Exactly. Yeah. Saying. Right. Uh, but do you do you feel like it changes your role a little bit to be uh, something of an outsider looking in? Um, well, what you're saying is interesting because I think that here in Taiwan there is a, a tendency which is that you know like the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, and if we want to say that Bijiao. They think everything which is which is foreign, especially mm-hmm. you know from the United States, is cool. So that somehow. But they don't always necessarily understand what it is. No, but they're just they're they just they just think it's cool, which right. gives me a winning card when I want to talk about something. Mm, they are more inclined point. to listen to yeah. me because, like you said, it comes from an outsider. So they were like. Wait, wait a second. Like, what is he talking about? Is it true? Oh, he's talking about us. He's a foreigner. Let's see what he has to say. Mm. And in that way, they're somehow going to focus on some of their own problems that they mm-hmm. would not have if it was a Taiwanese person talking about that. Mm-hmm. So I do not think that I am this, you know, uh, influential figure in Taiwan because I'm not. But I do know that the fact that I'm a Waiguran gives me that ridiculous i know it's ridiculous but it is there that kind of st- status to say something and to be listened to just because i'm from somewhere else mm. um and that gave me the the input to, to to talk more and more if you're asking me what the outcome is i don't think much so i i'm kind of giving up on that uh, somehow because <laughs> i feel that most of what i wanted to say i've already said it and many fans or people are asking me why aren't you like writing any more articles right now on facebook i'm like because I'm not inspired, because mm. I feel like I, I've already said what I wanted to say. Of course, I will have to say more. I always have stuff to say. But right now, I'm at this phase where I'm like, all right, let's just chill out and see what happens out there. Mm. How they um, 接受 everything that I have said so far. 
And I mean,、uh, some young people are actually pretty receptive of what I said, which is good because、mm-hmm. they are the future of this place. But、um, but it's it's really hard. It's really hard to change their mind.、Mm. Now, maybe、uh, looking at things in a somewhat more negative way. Another thing that we we see a little bit recently is,、uh, I, I guess I would call it an uptick in skepticism about foreigners. You know, you have that nine one one foreigner video that came out a while ago. That that rap group that、uh, sort of rapped about foreigners, and then more recently they kind of got into a big controversy about their depiction of、uh, religious figures, including the Prophet Muhammad. Well, listen. Many people asked my idea about that video. I never publicly said anything about it, but of course, I do have my opinion. So、mm-hmm. I'm going to share it now. Today's the day. Yes, and probably many people are not going to like what they hear.、Um, rappers are rappers. They、mm-hmm. are not diplomatic officials. <laughs> so what do you expect out of、mm-hmm. a rapper? A rapper is supposed to shock.、Mm-hmm. He's supposed to make people talk about them. And look at that; they ended up on a lot of foreign, like newspapers or magazines. They were, who would have talked about nine one one before? But now everybody knows about it. And to be honest, like, what was the main point of people talking about it?、Mm. They were scared for Taiwan in society because of the way they depicted, you know, Muhammad or whatever.、Mm-hmm. But. Why are you only focusing about that? They depicted all three main religious figures in a stereotypical or a stereotyped kind of way. So why are you only focusing on the one that you might think is dangerous for your society? That's、mm. kind of coward, I think. And I do think that there is one thing called genre literature, where you do. We call them caricatures,、mm-hmm. like stereo. They're like stereotypes, and if you do, like I'm sure everybody in the world, if you think of a stereotype of that particular religion, everybody will think of that thing that they saw in the video. So, do I think it was smart? No, but I do think rappers are not smart. Do I think it was <laughs> wise? No, absolutely not. Do I think it was uncalled for? Well, it was very called for for them. They achieved their goal. Everybody's talking about them now. Some shock value, right? Exactly.、There. It's no different from from what, for example, Madonna has been doing with a lot of you know crucifixes or a lot of、uh, Christian figures throughout the years. But you know, she's Madonna. She's from America. She can do whatever she wants. So they're nine one one. They're from Taiwan. Oh, you're not supposed to do that. I just think it's kind of you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I I think it goes back to though what you were talking about a second ago is,、uh, you know, people are aware of the fact that、uh, you know international news is not covered in a very thoughtful way, and、uh, the critic you're not the only one to make the criticism that Taiwanese people are not as conscious of international、mm-hmm. affairs as they could be, and I think for a lot of people that video just kind of underscored that problem to some extent, and I, I think that some of the reaction comes from that. Yeah, but I also think that it was. Cute in a way, how they <laughs> assembled all different Taiwanese folkloristic religions in the same、mm-hmm. video, because it's well. To be honest, I find that video to be a nice introduction to Taiwan culture for foreigners. Well, you know, apart from the Zhongdong part, but I'm just、mm-hmm. talking about the Taiwanese religions. I mean, it was to be honest, much much ado about nothing. That's、mm. what I think. Now, I just try to imagine、uh, if in the U.S. we had, you know, some cultural figure come over and point out、uh, the various problems in the U.S. I could imagine people taking some offense to that. I mean, it really dep- depends. Obviously, right now we have John Oliver, who's a, 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 a comedian from the U.K. who has a very prominent show、mm-hmm. that does nothing but points out problems in the U.S. and a lot of people on the left love that show. Yeah. 
so I guess I guess I'm just trying to think around this uh, this issue of are there limits to what is appropriate uh, to for a foreigner to say? I mean, should is is there a point where we need to say you know what uh, maybe as a foreigner uh, I I need to kind of check myself check uh, how hard I'm going to push or, or how much I'm going to criticize because you know after all I wasn't born here. Do you think that there's anything to that notion? No, because I think that we are in a globalized world, and mm. you do not know. I mean, you do know that I was not born here, but let's say that nobody knew who, I, who the hell it was. You do not know if I'm born here. I had this friend from Poland. Mm. She was born, well, she was born in Poland, but she was raised here. She, she's more Taiwanese than most people I know. But mm. still, whenever she talks about something that is bothering her, and she's entitled to do that because she's from here, basically, people are like... Oh, like, like, go back to your own country. She's like, I mean, this is where I'm from. Where am I supposed to go back? I do not even have a house in, Ho- in Poland. So what I'm trying to say is we're in a globalized world. We do not know where people are from. But yes, I do think there is a limit. And the limit comes with I never, ever intentionally hurt anyone mm. with any of the statements that I said. Mm-hmm. So the limit is every word which comes out of my mouth has only the purpose of stimulating people, trying to wake them up and pinpoint some problems or some issues that I think are urgent in the Taiwanese society. But I never intentionally hurt or, you know, like people by saying, oh, you're stupid or mm-hmm. you're ugly, because that would be meaningless. I mean, mm. I always try to be, what is the word? Um, constructive in what mm-hmm. I say, so I do think there is a limit, and the and the limit is do not intentionally hurt other people's feelings. Just dancing, be seen. That's basically mm-hmm. the most important thing. I think something that I always keep at the back of my mind, though, and 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 I I, I think I, I basically agree with you. Like I. For me personally, I think I I should be open to anybody criticizing my culture. I should be open to anybody pointing out, just giving their perspective uh, on on me or my culture or anything. I I, I feel like that's a better stance to take. Um, At the same time, though, when when I comment on Taiwan... Mm -hmm. I always try to make sure that I'm not misunderstanding something yeah. or that I'm not talking about something that I don't really understand. Yeah. Because that is something, I mean, just historically, if we think about uh, Westerners yeah. as they come to Asia, as they come to other countries around the world, they make all kinds of criticisms yeah. that are based on fundamental misunderstandings yeah. of the society that they're in. Yeah. And I don't want to be somebody who perpetuates that. Yeah. So is that something that you feel like you need to be careful oh, yeah. about? I mean, what people don't know is that all of my posts on Facebook before being published, they go through three people, Mm. a historian, a linguist, and a lawyer. Mm. Because I never want to be, for example, you know, sued by people. (laughs) And I don't want to say something which is not historically true. And Mm -hmm. also because, you know, I means I don't want to write something which is wrong. So the first step is a linguist, like the Chinese expert. And then we have the historian and then we have the lawyer. So I do try to make sure that I do not say something inappropriate. Mm -hmm. But the most important thing for me is communication. Mm. If you are my reader and somehow you make me understand that that like what I said is not really appropriate or not correct, I do stand corrected. But when people are like, oh, well, what do you understand? Go back to your home place. Or, for example, uh, well, you're just a foreigner. That's not a constructive criticism. And I do not accept that because it does not make me grow. And it does not make you grow as a local either. Mm -hmm. So that's what I usually I don't answer to these stupid comments. But there were a few instances where people made me understand that I was not quite correct. And I did stand corrected. So I'm Mm -hmm. not presumptuous or arrogant. I just Mm -hmm. I just want to 
what I want to do is open up communication、mm-hmm. and try to learn more about this culture that I embraced with my whole heart.、Mm. Uh, just one more question before we kind of leave this topic.、Uh, what are your thoughts on the role that、uh, other foreigners are taking in Taiwan? As you kind of look at the cultural interaction that you see、uh, between foreigners and Taiwanese, you know, there's so many blogs, so many、uh, expats from the US, from Europe, from other parts of Asia that are,、uh, you know, writing about Taiwan and making their views known. What, what are your thoughts on that? Is that adding up to anything positive? To be honest, I feel very humbled by the amount of attention. That the media has been giving me, and I do not even think I deserve that. Because, like you said, there are people doing a formidable, like a great job here in Taiwan. Some foreigners, you know, they have like these blogs, or they're trying to keep up a cross cultural communication, which is really laudable. But they are not as mentioned as I am. And I do feel, I do feel bad for that. So, what I, what I think is that,、um, okay, I think there is like a, 怎么说呢？就是有一种相反的趋势。It means that in the nineties, Taiwan was like at its peak, and、uh, foreigners here were only trying to、uh, earn easy money.、Mm. For example, like teaching English、mm-hmm. or something which comes easy, you know, to foreigners, and we're making a lot of money. Now it's the other way around. Like Taiwan as a system, as government is like falling down, but a lot of,、um, you know, why we're in. Paradoxically, they are trying to do their best to keep it up and to make the world understand that you know it's worth it.、Mm. There are still a lot of beautiful things here. You know, you should come and see it with your own self. So it's like I don't I don't even know why, but it's like we as foreigners are trying to promote something that local people or the local government should be doing. So I think that's an interesting phenomenon.、Mm. All right. Well,、uh, before we round things out, maybe、uh, one last thing that we could do、mm-hmm. is: is there any practical advice in the book, like things that people could just do to cultivate some of the values that you're talking about?、Uh, well, yes. But the most important thing is in the bullying section.、Uh, there are quite a few practical advice for young people who are victims of bullying, how to cope with that,、uh, and you know how to、uh, come out of that nightmare untamed and, but especially,、uh, you know, intact. So I I do recommend that section for anybody who is being objectified or who is being a victim of bullying right now. It doesn't matter if they are you know on the workplace or you know in the university or wherever because bullying is anywhere.、Mm. All right. So obviously, way more topics that we can really dig into today.、Uh, but the book once again is Mei Zai Pa. The、yes. author is Wei Jiado, who we have been speaking to right、yes. here. And you can find more of those ideas and、uh, perspective on Taiwan、uh, in that book. Wei Jiado, thank、yes. you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to another podcast edition of Taiwan Talk. Taiwan Talk, of course, broadcasts every Monday on ICRT FM 100, first at the 8 a.m. hour, and then again at the 6 p.m. hour, right after the top of the hour newscast. So you can look for it there,、uh, or look for the extended versions of the interviews online.、Uh, that's the version you just heard right now. You can find it on iTunes, the ICRT website, pretty much wherever、uh, you can find any old podcast. You can find this show. Uh, and once again, the book、uh, we're going to say the name again is Mei Zai Pa, Mei Zai Pa in Chinese, because it is a Chinese language book. So just be forewarned, you can brush up on your characters before you jump into that.、Uh, it is out right now.、Uh, if you check out the ICRT blog, the 
blog page on this episode. We will link to places where you can learn more about it uh, and uh, even, you know, where you can buy it, all that good stuff. Uh, that is it for the show today. So for Taiwan Talk and ICRT, I am Keith Menconi. Thanks for listening and see you next time.